Hey everybody, happy Friday and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Doves. It's episode 51 and on today's podcast we're going back to the East Coast, grabbing some of our people from out there. On today's podcast I've got Les Steger. Les Steger is the guy that's been putting on the bug out on the East Coast for the past 40 plus years. Uh, he started in uh, late 70s putting on this event. VW enthusiast just trying to get something going in his neck of the woods. He owned a VW shop by the name of Les's Buggy Shop, and he's out of uh, Denver, North Carolina. So good conversation, uh, great guy to talk to, an influential guy on the East Coast scene in the Southeast over there. So I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. Little shout out this week for my man uh, Keith Kennar. Picked up some merch this week to support the podcast. Appreciate him. Also, uh, Roger Martin posted a little post on Let's Talk Dubs podcast page. A picture of some of the gear that he picked up and a bunch of stickers that I sent him. So don't forget, guys, support the podcast. You know what to do. Go to letstalkdubs.com forward slash store. And that's how you support your favorite podcast. Well, without any further ado, we'll go ahead and roll into this week's episode. East Coast style with Les Steger. Let's Talk Dubs. Hey everybody, on today's podcast, we've got uh, Les Steger with Les's Buggy Shop out of Denver, North Carolina. He's also the gentleman that puts on the East Coast Series, uh, the bug out shows that you've been familiar with. So as part of my continuation to try to get people from all, all coasts onto the podcast today, today we've got Les on the podcast. Les, welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Hey, so... Um, I know the bug out's been like the biggest show on the East Coast, pretty much VW-wise. And you you started that show way back in the day. And so what I want to do is maybe get into the history of when you started when you started the show. But I, I think a lot of it, it's all tied together. So I think, I think where I really like to start is let's talk about how you got into Volkswagens, which will then talk about how you got into – having your own shop, which will probably evolve into how you started a car show. So let's get, let's start off with what your VW story is. Um, well, I guess, um, before I was able to, well, I was able to drive, but let's say before I had a driver's license, I had actually bought a Volkswagen out of a gentleman's backyard and, uh, and got it running and learned how to, uh, drive it. Um, when probably I shouldn't have been, but, yeah. uh, you know, it was uh, it was one of those things. It was actually it was a, a '58. Uh, I wish I still had it now, but uh, you know, so, those were the days you could get them cheap. It was know? a '58 what? Uh, type one. Yeah, just a uh, yeah, yeah. And Wouldn't what, go anywhere. And what year is this? What year is what now? What Sorry. year is this? Oh, this no, let's see, nineteen sixty-four, maybe sixty-three. So nineteen sixty-four, sixty-three. You're underage driving a fifty-eight Beetle. Yeah. And so you get you get bit by the bug, for lack of a better term. And then how does that evolve into your passion? So what do you where do you go? What's your direction after this? Well, I um, 
you know, I at that time, you know, Hot BWs was was kind of around and, and trends was around and uh um yeah, it was it was so cool to look in the magazine and get ideas. Right. Um it really you know, at that time, you know, you had Johnny Speed and Chrome and, and Bug Pack and um yeah, you, you had a lot of uh of actual um suppliers, but they were all on the west coast. So anything you had to order, you know, had to come um by UPS, or at that time, actually, it was uh, uh, the regular postal service. But uh, yeah. so you know, you were, and it would take two weeks to get it. Uh, but you know, I uh, I started working on them, um, working on neighbors. Uh, I worked on uh, um, anything that I could find that was actually Volkswagen related. I had a gentleman come to me. I was uh, 15 years old, and um, he. Uh, he owned a, um, a TV repair shop in Falls Church, Virginia, just outside of Arlington, where I grew up at. Yeah. And uh, he said, hey, uh, I see that you work on a lot of people's Volkswagens around here. And somebody said you knew what you were doing. He said, uh, I've got a dune buggy business that I run in the back of my TV repair shop. And I said, oh, OK. And he said, um, I'd love to take you up there and show it to you and uh, see if you'd be interested in building dune buggies. And I said, well, you know, problem is it'd take me about a half an hour, 45 minutes to ride my bike up there because I, I don't have any other way to get up there. Yeah. And he said, not a problem. He says, I'll come pick you up and take you there and I'll bring you back home. Um, you know, that time of day, you never really worried about that kind of stuff. Right. But uh, took him up on it and um, um, we were building uh, scat track. Uh, buggies at that time and and uh he didn't have uh access to many uh Volkswagen engines but he had a lot of access to a lot of Corvair engines um you know the 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 turbocharged oh, yeah. and, uh, the one. and uh I, I have so, a couple I have a couple Corvairs <laughs> uh uh-huh. so uh you know I took and uh, and flopped the ring gear and and put it all back together and put the Corvair motors in there and uh, uh when I was able to drive, he, he told me, he said, hey, take one of these buggies home for the weekend if you'd like to. So he, he let me take a, a 180 home. Yeah. And uh, let me tell you what, that was uh, that was a real trip in, in a very light dune buggy. Oh, yeah. those so, I mean, those those motors are substantially more powerful. Back, back then, you're talking a VW had 40 horsepower, and you could get that thing with, I mean, the smallest motor was the 95 horse, and you have the 110. That's right. Plus, they weighed a little bit more, so you know, lifting the front wheels off the ground was not really a hard thing to do. Right, just um, blip the throttle. So you know, I uh, I went on working on uh, on on different things, uh, dealing with Volkswagens, and, and got a couple cars in the magazine, the Hot VWs back then, um, and went to a, quite a few rod and custom shows, and actually did some fairly decent winning there with with Volkswagens, you know, nobody ever saw a Volkswagen at a, at a car show, especially like a, a world of wheels car show, but, yeah. uh, had quite a few of them and, and a lot of weird ones, you know, Bajas, dune buggies, type ones, pickup trucks, anything I could build, I built. Um, and, um, I actually, uh, just as I, uh, graduated high school, um, I was offered a job to come back and teach at school, so I did that. Um, and money kind of got tough in Arlington County, and I got riffed. Um, 
And uh, at that time, my uh, my wife to be then uh, said, "Why don't you just open up a shop?" So I did, and uh, one shop turned into two shops, and then turned into three shops. And uh, um, I enjoyed uh, selling a lot of parts. And uh, you know, back then you had, like I say, you had Truhoff and you had Bug Pack and S and S, and and um, you know, you bought who you could buy from. Sure, um, but. You know, there wasn't really anybody around that was selling high-performance Volkswagen parts. So and, it went over very well. And what was the scene mostly like back then? Was it mostly people building buggies, or was it streetcars or Bajas? I mean, what, what were people building back then? The big thing was Baja. You know, I would sell tons of, of fiberglass Baja kits. Yeah, Um and that seemed to be the East Coast thing. It wasn't that much on the West Coast, but that seemed to be the East Coast thing. Um, so, you know, I sold the parts and stuff, and, and I I kind of had mentioned to my wife, I said, you know, I wonder if a show would ever go over here, kind of like what they do on the West Coast. And she said, well, it's only one way to find out. Why don't you get in a plane and go there and, uh, and look at their show and see if you can bring it back here. So, now- so I did. Now, up to this point, there's no VW shows going on back east, southeast where you're at. No, not a one. You know, and, and actually there was uh, there was probably only two, maybe three Volkswagen shops on the east coast. You know, I I heard you, uh, one of your podcasts, you were talking about the inch pincher. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So funny because there was a gas station in Falls Church, Virginia where uh, they had an inch pincher two there. Um, oh, yeah. And I, and just breaking my mind trying to figure out what the guy's name was that owned that service station. Um, because uh, he used to race that here on the East Coast, um, you know, between Pennsylvania and uh, uh, Maryland and Virginia. Um, and, you know, it was a, it was very um, a very popular car back here. So was it was it actually an inch what one of the inch pincher twos or was it a replica? Well, you know, at that time I don't really know. You know, sure. uh, uh, all I know is it did it's it said inch pincher two on it, and I had some pictures of it, and um, I I kind of beat myself up after I heard that podcast because I started rummaging through my old pictures to yeah. see if I could find of it. Um, because it was, it was quite unique at that time. You know, there wasn't many drag race Volkswagens around per se. Well, that's the thing on the, on the East coast, you know, the, the, the population is so dense on the East coast. There's so many people and you would think that you'd have a bigger scene than you have, but I think because the East coast, all the cities kind of stick to themselves. Not a lot. I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of, inner city inner city cruising and stuff like this where people get around but it's 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 interesting the dynamics of the east coast scene versus the west coast scene and i think to some degree maybe weather and climate play a little bit into that because you guys definitely have a driving season and a not driving season to yes we we have a summer that goes into winter yeah there's not a fall and there's usually not much spring it goes from winter to 90 degrees so you know um but that kind of, you know, that kind of pushed me into going out to the West Coast and and, and um, they kind of really made me feel at home. I think it was the, I want to say, was it Bug-In 30? That was the last Bug-In 
at that time back in the it might have been bugging it could have been bugging 30 because i remember one of the first ones i went to was bugging 33 and so it may it may have been uh 30 it's right there 30 31 32 because one of the first ones i went to back on the west coast here was 32 then i went to 34 and i've been to most of them since then but yeah, so this is back. You're talking back in the early '80s. You get it as these guys are getting out of the show business. You're getting into the show business. Actually, yeah, it was it was the late '70s. I mean, it yeah. was like seven, um, eighty that uh, I went out there uh, because I started my show uh, in '81 here. Uh, well, actually, in in Virginia at uh, Manassas Speedway, um, which was a it was a mom pop drag strip. A lot of grass, which was really nice, you know, not a lot of asphalt. Um, eighth mile drag strip, but it was a fast drag strip. Um, yeah. When I first started the show, I had like, I want to say that I had uh, uh, six show cars there and maybe two drag cars. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a gentleman that opened up a VW repair shop over in Atlanta, Maryland, Pete Pete, yeah. who's been around ever. Um, and I want to say Bill Rathbun was one of them, um, that had come down in an early style dragster. Yeah. Um, not what he, uh, kind of retired out of, you know, the, uh, we used to always call it the, the thumper because when he would go down the racetrack, the tires thumped so bad that you could, you could hear it a half a mile away. Yeah. You wouldn't know what it was. And that was at, uh, what was the Speedway that one was at? That was at uh, Old Dominion Speedway in Manassas, Virginia. Is that the uh, same place where they do the Manassas the Manassas show now or a different place? No, no. The the Speedway in Manassas, um, actually, I, I rode it all the way through uh, a second owner. And then um, it got uh, it got sold uh, to a developer and just like most racetracks do they uh they go to townhouses oh, wow. so yeah i i i wrote it for um oh let's see 26 years i was at that racetrack and what so how often are you doing the shows on the east coast um, i i started out by doing um an annual just one and then I started doing a Memorial Day Labor Day, which has kept with me even till now. Um, I do a Memorial Day and a Labor Day show. Um, and, and you find that, the, the, I mean, obviously you're doing different show dates throughout. And the, the topic that interests me, because I also put on a show out here in Las Vegas, is, you know, we just did our first show and it was over Thanksgiving weekend. And the gate was down a little bit, but it's like a multi-person car show. But And, and I'm not really sure. Um, but you get pretty good turnout on those events because they're consistent, you know. And I've and I've always kept in Volkswagen. You know, I've I've been prodded and pushed to try to you know let other imports come in. And right. I said, look, I I started this thing with Volkswagens, and I will die it with Volkswagens. Yeah. You know, I, I'm trying to make it to a hundred shows, but uh, um, I'm 66 um, and. <laughs> No, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> My health hasn't been the best here this this last year, so uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna make it to a hundred. But uh, I, matter of fact, my uh, my first show that I've missed in uh, 
in almost 40 years was uh, last May. Yeah. Uh, I had a stroke. Uh, went to another another competitor's car show and uh, was handing out my flyers and stuff. Yeah. And uh, had a stroke at their show. So oh. uh, I actually missed my own show. Oh, that's not good. And that was earlier. That was this year in May, huh? Yeah, that was in May. Luckily, my kids, you know, they've uh, they've been with me long enough, and you know, they're um, they're in their twenties and thirties now. So uh, um, they've learned a lot over the years, and they kind of took the bull by the horns and uh, and pushed the show through, and you know, got no complaints, which was good. Well, that's a, <laughs> hey, listen, and as a guy who puts on a show here, getting no complaints is pretty rare because that's kind of what I want to talk about for a minute too. Is a lot of people don't understand that they're they're the consumers of the show. So I think as as two guys talking that put on shows, um, and you having much more experience than me, obviously, but putting on a show is a really, really, really stressful thing. I mean, you've got commitments uh, for you lay out all this money up front. You've got commitments, and you need people. You need the venue. It's like you need both sides. You need spectators. You need show people. You need a little bit of everything. And one thing I've noticed is that there's no shortage of um, advice that you get from people that come to your show about what <laughs> what you should do. I, I think the biggest thing that, that um, I have learned over the years is that the, the more your show is, the more that the racetracks want to hold their hand out, yeah, you know, the more it costs you to get in that venue. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there becomes a time when you, you look at, you know, what's coming in and, and what's going out and you go, wait a minute, you know, th- there's something wrong with this picture. You yeah. know, uh, it, I, I know that um, the racetracks out on the West coast, they, they seem to be a lot different than the, than the tracks on the east coast um in what respect by what they charge um i i don't think they charge anywhere near what they charge here on the east coast um east coast seems to be um a very um uh, profitable area for racetracks um i you know i went from um basically went from manassas to virginia motorsports park yeah um Virginia Motorsports Park is is in Dinwiddie, uh, right outside of Richmond. A beautiful, beautiful racetrack. But the problem is, is it just got sold here last year, and the new owner has put a little over two million dollars into the racetrack so that he could intrigue NHRA in the door, which yeah. he had. But because of that, you know, the cost of the racetrack now has has gone up substantially, you know, so, uh, you just, you have to take it what it is. Yeah. And, and the tough thing sometimes like with, with us out here in Vegas, I think the struggle that we've had is the racetrack people come to Vegas and Vegas is a tough place to get out of towners to come to an event because there's so much else going on. Right. And, you know, our racetrack is at the absolute far end of the town. Like it's all the way away the further, you couldn't be further from the strip and be at the racetrack. And I remember we put on bug in uh, the 91 bug in, you know, Las Vegas Volkswagen Club and some friends. We we all put this event on. And I remember that the the cost of the racetrack back in 91 for the one day event was like $15,000. Oh, 
That's what it is here. Yeah, and it's and that that was in '91, and so I have a friend that puts on an event here, and he uses the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and I think it's gone up substantially, possibly double what it is. It, it may be thirty grand for the day, and then oh any single show that's out there, I've gone out to. Uh, the car craft had a show out there. The LS fest is out there. Everything I go out to out there, it's 30 bucks a person to get in. That's just to walk into the fence. And then, you know, you're, you're there and it's, it's an asphalt show and there's a little bit of drag racing. And the biggest issue that I, that we've had, that we've been challenged with here. Cause I talked to my friend that has the connection on the, the track here. And he just said, man, people just, you know, the drag guys, I mean, these are guys that are running seven, seven, eight second street cars. I mean, quasi street cars, you know, V8s and stuff. And he's, he says the big, the big holdback with VWs is they, they oil the track down so much that it just makes it take forever to get the drags done. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's made them, it's made them shy away from that. But you know, that's a real tough thing. And, and, and the problem is people don't want to pay they don't realize the expense that it costs to put on an event. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of money. I don't even do a drag race with my swap meet and car show. And that costs us close to 20 grand to put on between marketing and all that stuff. And it's, it's a single day event and it's really an expense, 10 bucks to get in it. But, but everybody, like you say, when you're putting on an event, everybody's got their hand out. The venue's got their hand out. Then they want the food. Then they want this. Then they want that. And next thing you know, what you start out to do as a, as as an event to put on for the community and it turns into like, Oh man, that guy's all about money. You see how much he's charging for that show. And <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been $15 for uh, probably 20 years. Yeah. Um, and you know, we haven't gone up, uh, you know, but when you go to a racetrack and you know, all of a sudden the, the, uh, the racetrack owner feels that, you know, they know how to put on a show better than you, even though you've been doing it for 40 years, right. you know, and, and I said, look, you know, Volkswagen people are different people, you know, absolutely. Uh, you know, they're, uh, um, I I've watched it when, it, when I had the Manassas show, uh, we're talking now back in the eighties, um, by 12 o'clock, I would close the front gates strictly because I had no place for cars to go. Really? Um, I, no more room in there now luckily i had a fairgrounds across the street you know so we would actually put cars in the front of the fairgrounds um my judges hated that because they had to walk across the highway in order to get the to the other cars on the other side so they could judge them but it's just the way it was you know you hated turning anybody away yeah you know i would show up at five o'clock in the morning to to open the gate so that we could just go in and start setting stuff up. And I'd have a hundred, 150 swap meet people already lined up, you know, wow. um, now, now when you have your show, you're lucky if you have two people, two swap meet people lined up to come in, you know, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a lot different than it has been over the years. I've seen a lot of decline. Um, I've seen, um, you, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that you have is that, you know, we're not getting any younger. Yeah. And, and the younger kids, um, uh, a, a beetle, you want me to drive a beetle, yeah. you know, they're, they're more interested in the water cooled cars. Now, granted, you know, I get a lot of water cooled cars at my show. Uh, but you know, it's, um, 
I, I've just, I've seen a big decline over the years. Um, I, you know, I keep telling myself, Hey, you know, it's going to pick back up. It's going to pick back up. And, and it does, it has its times, you know, if, if it even talks about rain, <laughs> they, nobody's yeah, coming. Nobody. Well, and, and, and back where you're back where you are, I mean, that's a real threat. I mean, where, where we're at here, I mean, if I got, if I get rain here, we're, we're lucky to get rain, but you know, on the two, I do my event twice a year and it, this year it was a real viable issue because we got pushed to the last week in November and it rained two days before the event. And here in Vegas, if it's going to rain, it might as well be a snowstorm. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I, I probably had, cause on my event, there's a lot of swappers that prepay for their spaces and they, uh, I probably had 25 people prepay that did not show up for to the swap me because they were concerned about weather. But right. yeah, weather, I mean, and, and that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was changes that you've seen in the scene. I mean, when, when do you feel in the, in the years you've been putting on your event, when have you seen the peak of like most of the people coming in and then how have you seen the difference in regards to has the drag racing slowed down a lot? It's just the show cars. Cause if you're around the eighties, you're around during the time when it was like the big mega show cars, like to come in on a turntable and people, right. they're just going way over the top. So tell me about that time and, and, and where, where the peak was. Well, I would say that the peak was probably in uh, the middle 90s to, well, maybe just, let's say, 2000. Um, I think that's, to me, seems like where the peak was. Um, you know, the the peak for me was, was kind of when I had Manassas, because when I, you know, it was a, um, you know, it was like the circus coming to town you know, twice a year. Yeah. People knew uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day, hey, they weren't going to the beach. They were going to Manassas. Um, so I would draw New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York, um, you know, uh, Atlanta, Alabama, places like that, North Carolina, South Carolina. Um, but when I moved, um, it was so strange because the people that lived like in Pennsylvania to Richmond, which was maybe only... 40 minutes more go, I'm not driving that far. <laughs> oh, you go, well, you're only talking 40 minutes more. Yeah, but I got to be on the interstate, you know, and I'm just not driving down the interstate. Right. You know, you want to say, well, then go buy a trailer, you know, but uh, um, I I think I saw the decline start about uh, 98, 99, somewhere right in there. Yeah, it started to taper off. I mean, it's funny because a lot of us um, that were in it as a hobby and didn't have it as a job, I know that that's around the time that I think the longest period, and I don't even know when I went without a Volkswagen because I remember always having one, but there was probably two years where I didn't have one, and that was right around the time when I was getting married, and uh, it was, I think I sold my I sold my bug in 96. So I sold it in 96. Yeah. Because my Buick is titled in 97 or 96. And I was so, so mad. I could spit nails when I blew the motor in my bug. I said, that's it. I'm selling it. I'm getting out of Volkswagens, you know, and I, and I, I sold my 63 ragtop, which I regret to this day. And, um, I didn't have a Volkswagen from, so from 96 until 1990. Around '99 is when I bought another another Beetle. I found a '66 Beetle for 
a thousand bucks, but you know, I think, it, and it may be a generational thing. Like when, when people were of a certain age, like me, I'm 47, right? So right then I was in my late twenties, started getting out of VWs for a little bit because I was getting a house, working on my this, that, whatever. Now, once I got married, I started to get kids. Well, then I got another Volkswagen. So then that, then that's, I got the 66 bug. And then a year later, two years later in 2000, 2001, I bought the bull run bus and since then, I've just been back in it real strong. And a lot of my friends around the same age, they all kind of tapered off for a little bit. And now most of them, I'd say 80% of them are back in it. And then there's probably even more people that were never in it that are getting in it that are in our our age group, age group of, of the upper 40s, you know? Yeah. Well, I know that, you know, back, it seems like back in the heydays too, you know, I had um, it was it was kind of cool when you had two magazines coming to your show. Sure. Trying for, uh, you know, feature issues, you know. One guy would, you know, that's the first thing that would come out of RK's mouth, did Trend shoot you, you know, yeah. or, uh, you know, or, or vice versa, you know. Um, and I also had, I had Dino Don there announcing, um, yeah. which at that time, it's, uh, you know, that was a trip in itself. So, uh you know, Dino Don was a was a cool guy, and and people would come, you know, from a good ways away, you know, they because they they heard of him from the California area, right? You know, and, and to come to the East Coast, that was big, you yeah. know, and, and try to buddy big to the show. Well, yeah, and I and I think that I think that any kind of draw draw brings it brings more people out to the event and you're just trying to figure out because the VW scene, as much as it's like all these people, it's really a pretty varied group of people. I mean, you got your streetcar guys, you got your Baja guys, you got your hippies, you got your bus people, you got, I mean, it's a real diverse group of people. And so you try to get something for everybody. So that's really worth coming to the event for, you know, even, even now, you know, I think at the last show in Mooresville, North Carolina. That's where we we are doing the the shows right now. But um, I remember getting there at, at about uh, five o'clock in the morning, and I kind of go in the racetrack and, and scan to see if anybody decided to stay over. You know, right? And you know, so I see this old lonely bus sitting down in the corner. So I kind of you know, jump on the four wheel and ride down there, and 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 just as I'm starting to get close to the bus, I can see why the guy stayed. You know. It had that aroma, you know, yeah. of the hippie bus, you know, yeah, the yeah. And, I, and I said, hey, you know, um, you guys, you weren't supposed to stay in here overnight, you know, you need to sleep it off and then <laughs> then join the show. Sure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's it's been interesting watching the dynamics of the shows lately because I've been going to shows out here for the for the last 20 years solid. And then before that, before I got into VWs. The first shows I started hitting were the were the West Coast shows. I mean, I'm out here in Las Vegas, but you know, the big thing for us is uh, to go out to the Southern California shows. You know, the Jamboree and the Classic and all that stuff. And those were always like that was the highlight of my summer. And uh, it's been interesting to watch. It seems like there were, you know, the the age range of the people that show were all, you know teenagers back when i was going in the early 20s and stuff like that and now it's all gone up right because it's it's a demographic it's kind of a slice of that of that uh demographic of people between your age and my age that are into vws and it's it's been 
noticeably different over the past few years that you, how you see things have been changing in regards to event turnouts, venues, and some shows. I mean, you look at Bugarama and they just stopped doing Vegas altogether. And then it's hard to say because you look at Prado and they say, you know, El Prado's got 2,000 cars there. Well, yeah, they got 2,000 cars, but it's there's a lot of parking lot material there, just like regular cars, you know? Yeah. And, and I hate to say it, you know, all of us, you know, I even walk the parking lots during our show and say, hey, you know, you really need to, you know, if the person's standing around the car, hey, take it down and put it in the show. You know, it's always nice for people to look at your car and see what you've done. Yeah. Well, well, you know, I don't want to do that. I said, well, you know, it's, it's you know, I, I always love to see somebody take something different down, you know, and, and put it in the show. I mean, hey, you might not win, but I guarantee you somebody's going to look at it and go, that's really neat, you know. Yeah, so on your now on the East Coast is your event the largest event that's that's happening out there? Um I'm not sure if it's it's you know, I've got a I've got a lot of other events that that are um, competing uh with me. Uh SEVWA has got an event um that they put on in Farmington, North Carolina, mm-hmm. um which is a a, a very nice event. It's a large event. They do. Uh, they have a series uh, for their drag cars, in which we belong to their series just to help promote, you know, their drag car count. Um, but you know, at my last show at Mooresville, I had sixty drag cars. So to me, that was that was really good, you know, compared to a lot of the other shows that are not getting quite that amount of cars. And what do you think, what do you think is affecting, uh, the drag, the drag race contingency money. from showing up? I mean, these, <laughs> I mean, that is, is that what it is? These guys want to, obviously they want to come out. They put a lot of money in their cars. They want to walk away with a few bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's it. You know, I mean, um, I, you know, I, I, I started paying 1500 bucks to win, probably 10 or 12 years ago and i still pay 1500 bucks to win now so that makes a huge um, even, difference for you yeah yeah i mean you know i don't i don't get the the same amount of car count now that i i have in the past um you know there's a number of different shows that are trying to bring out the old nostalgia cars um which is kind of cool but again they're the older style cars and you know, everybody wants to see something go fast. Yeah. You know, they, they just don't want to see it go down the racetrack. They want to see it go fast down the racetrack. Well, so, and I think when you have a drag, when you have a drag show, uh, a show with a drag race, it's always, you know, depending on how the track is laid out, if you can have the car show within visual distance of the drag strip, that makes a huge difference too. Yeah. Yes, it does. If the drag strip is a ways away from from your car show, uh, you'll lose it on both ends. You know, your people watching the drags, you might have one or two up in the stands, um, you know, um, or they just don't they just don't care about the drags, Um, you know. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I I love all these drag car guys uh, because they've been with me for so long and. You know, they're part of the show. Yeah, if you didn't have a drag race as part of your show, then it doesn't make any difference. You know, yeah. if you're a car show and a swap meet, hey, more power to you. You know, I tried a car show and a swap meet and it just didn't go. 
Yeah, there, um, there's there's got there's got to be an attraction, especially if you're doing something, uh, you know, something specific for just Volkswagens. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, when Old Dominion closed down, the the gentleman that that owned it at that time, he built a multi million dollar racetrack, but it didn't have a drag strip, had a road course, um, and you know, uh, I just I it I attracted a totally different group of people to the show um because i did not have drag cars you know right. and strange you know and it was it was probably a half an hour from where the old racetrack was um but you know those people just didn't want to have anything to do since it did not have drag yeah and i think that i think you know drag like a, one person comes out to drag race a car there's usually three four three four five people with them you know they bring yeah. their buddies to pit and all that kind of stuff um yeah, it's just been it's just been interesting to see the dynamics change, and and the question is like, how do we how do we get more young kids involved in the hobby to love the hobby, especially kids that are, I mean, shoot, trying to get your kid to do anything else besides, you know, sit on a digital device and just be consumed with that. You know, they're 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 more watching life versus living life. You know, and 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 what's the trick? Well, it's like my son said. You know, everybody now is consumed with the computer or the ipad or the phone you know and if they could watch your show on the phone they would right uh, but then you'd have nobody there yeah you know i i had a i had a gentleman that used to come to all of my shows and, and he would stream the drag racing but i noticed that my count went down of of you know certain people that always knew that came to watch the drags right and when i I said, hey, why don't you come watch the drags anymore? And he said, hey, you charge 15 bucks to get in. I can watch it on the screen for nothing. Said, you know, and I, and, I, and, and I often wonder, like, what's the difference with a person? Because the 15 bucks is, is paying for, and, and maybe, I, I don't know, uh, I don't really consider myself to be of any extraordinary wealth, but my attitude's always been like support whoever's putting the event. I mean, I, I went to a lousy show here not long ago. And, and when I mean, it was, it was a bad show and it was all the same cars that I see all the time. And it was 35 bucks for me to park in a parking lot for four hours. And what? yeah, it was really, really overpriced and super expensive, but I, I paid to support it. Although the guy that puts on that show never comes to support my event. But my, my attitude was always like, well, you know, you try to support what you can. And I think sometimes when people make that complaint about, you know, uh, 15 bucks to come to your show, they're missing it. Instead of those people going to the show for the experience. I mean, for me, the event of going to a show is like the smell, the sights, the, the new stuff that's coming out, the experience of getting to meet and talk to people. And maybe that's part of what's changing right now in, in this younger generation is, they kind of, they really live through the screen. Like, you know, that's why kids aren't going to the mall or doing the stuff they used to do because they want to buy something new. They click on Amazon, they click, get it tomorrow and they, they don't have to go anywhere, but they're, they're missing that visceral experience of going to the mall, going to the racetrack, seeing people, smelling the smell, seeing the sights, you know, kind of just the experience of the human interaction, which for 15 bucks, it's pretty cheap to be able to deliver that. Uh, I was talking to somebody not too long ago and, I, and he said, well, what did you do when you were a kid? And I said, I saw a car race. He said, you did what? 
I said a slot car race. I said it was a it was a big, huge building, and it had these tracks in it, and it had road courses in it, had drag strips in it, and you would go there and run a twenty four hour endurance. Um, you know, uh, if your parents let you go out for that long, but uh, I said it was it was the neatest thing in the world. I said, you know, yeah, but it was in a mall, you know, and, yeah. and he said, well, I've never heard of such a thing like that. And I said, well, there used to be lots of them. Now I don't think there's any of them hardly around. I said, but you know, that, that was the fun thing to do. Yeah. Um, so I, it's just, it, it's interesting the, the, the change in the dynamics and, and what's happened. And, you know, listen, we, all we can try to do is, is, uh, create events or opportunities to get people inspired to go out and do that. And that, and that's kind of what the podcast I think does sometimes, you know, like I was, I had Dean Kirsten on here and he said, you know, his, his, his vision of the purpose of the magazine was to get people inspired to get out in the garage. And, and I can't tell you. And it did. Yeah. You know, um, it seems now there's not as many, you know, he had a lot of tech articles in there. People would take that magazine, open it up and it would show them how to rebuild an engine. Or how to rebuild a set of carburetors, you know, or or to to work on a certain part of that of that car, you yeah. know, to custom. And and now it just seems like you know the magazines, you know, not not knocking hot VWs, but all the magazines, they just seem to just be doing shows, you know. I mean, I I love the they they gave me you know five or six pages of of color. You know, in this past issue, which I just loved, but yeah. I, I would really like to see some tech stuff in there. I mean, you know, you used to be able to go to the newsstand and buy, um, you know, the, the magazine, but now you can't go to the newsstand anymore and buy the magazine because they don't sell it there. Um, yeah, it's it, it it's um, I think for us picking up the magazine, like for you and for me that we didn't live in the heartbeat of VWs, it was being able to get a taste of what the show was like or what that experience is like being there. But the value came in with like the tech articles, like, Hey, here's the new thing guys are doing. They're narrowing beams. They're, they're, uh, they're, uh, welding up door handles. They're doing, and so they do the tech breakdown, which kind of gets you engrossed in it. But anymore now with, with Facebook and all that stuff, we talked about it, that, that, 15 minutes into the show someone's streaming the drag racing or somebody's posting a thousand pictures of every car at the show so nothing yes. nothing's really exciting yeah you, you don't see any new cars that you didn't see you know you saw this cool car at the show um but then you know three or four or five months later it comes out in a magazine and you go well i've already seen that yeah. you know that that's dead news to me. No, ab- um, absolutely. And so we, we talked you know, about that. The show car and, and keeps it hidden on lock and key and then puts it in the magazine and brings it out the same time that the magazine is coming out at a show. He's the one that's going to win, you know, because it's going to be so special to everybody at that point. Yeah, I think that's kind of what's what's happened because if you would agree, if you go grab the less or the bill from 25 years ago and you show them all the stuff that you see on Instagram, Instagram is like a digital magazine that's live updating in your pocket every five minutes. And depending on how many people you follow, that's how many pages your magazine's going to have. And whatever your hobbies are, your interests, you're going to see the newest, coolest, latest thing. And it's like the race, the race to be the first one to do this or do that. 
but it takes away it, it I think it takes away that uh, the thrill of like wow first time I've seen that because what'll happen is you'll see it one minute and then you'll see somebody else copies it and then the next thing you know it's like completely overdone right exactly yeah so yeah I mean my, my wife yells at me all the time because I've got cases and cases down in the basement of of hot VWs and VW trends and it was another Volkswagen magazine that was out back in the seventies. Um, can't think of it, but, uh, you know, she's always saying, what are you going to do with those magazines? I said, they're going to stay with me till I die. <laughs> and then look at them or throw them away. You know? Well, and what <laughs> I'm, one of the things that I'm starting to do on the podcast is I'm tracking down some of the people that have been in some of the past issues with some of those cars that have paved the way for the evolution of the VW scene. And I think it's kind of fun to get on the podcast and say, okay, guys, go grab your, you know, 1987 issue of hot VWs. And we're going to talk about this guy that came out with that car. And then he's got something new coming out. Um, just making it, making it more fun. I mean, I've tried to make, uh, doing the podcast a little bit enjoyable. Matter of fact, in Virginia, when I was there not long ago on my kid's field trip, I was back East during the summer and maybe, uh, hopefully I'll be out there, uh, next year coming up just to come out see some guys, the VW shows and, and maybe do a little, a little East coast tour. And, uh, while I was out there for let's talk dubs, I was putting stickers in different places, kind of an Easter egg hunt. So, um, I've got stickers under table. If you go on my Instagram, you can look at it. So especially on the East coast, there's some stuff in Virginia that I did. There's a waffle house where I put some stickers and I put on their first one to post a picture of themselves with that sticker gets a free t-shirt. And so <laughs> I kind of hit them and it's, it's probably when I had 200 followers, I think I'm up to a thousand followers, but doing things like that, that get people engaged. Oh yeah. You know, to, 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 to be a little more involved because even now with the success of the podcast is because no one really cares to read. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we do things at the show. Hey, the, the first person that shows up with, uh, you know, with the oldest bug out t-shirt, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, but the problem is, is that at the second show, everybody's running up to you going, when are you going to do the t-shirt thing? I said, no, 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 we're going to do something different this time. You know, right. the older hacker or something like that. Uh, because, you know, they'll come with the first annual, you know, shirt or the second annual shirt. <laughs> but, you know, it's that, it's that engagement, that, that, um, that bigger fabric of community, I think that makes the shows so much more exciting. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, when you would see a car in a magazine and then you go to the car show and there's that car and there's the guy that yeah. owns it. And now I can start asking him some questions because I sat there staring at the magazine for four or five hours and I want, you know, five minutes of the guy's time to just chat with him about what about this and what about that and how did you do this? And, and, and that stuff, I think maybe be, that could be fading out just because the younger generations of kids are, they're not asking anybody. They're not, calling somebody, talking to anybody. They're just looking it up, Googling it, whether it's right or wrong, they find it on Google and they just accept that as kind of the way it is. I don't know. I don't know what's, what's making it fade away. It could be a generational thing, but there's, I still see a lot of younger kids in the VWs and they're mostly into like the, the ratty Volkswagens and stuff like that. And they like that, uh, yeah, know, the, the crawling crust, you know, yeah, you know, they're scraping the floor when they're driving down the road. You know, or, or the, 
the body is so far down on it that you're, you're thinking, golly, how's that guy even driving that thing? He's got to be bent over inside that car. <laughs> well, especially East Coast, man. East Coast, your, your streets out there, they're pretty rough streets, some of them out there, and especially the ingress, <laughs> egress in a bunch of those buildings. But, no, oh, it's, yeah. listen, it's fun, and I, I hope the show continues to keep going. I hope you're able to enjoy a bunch of those shows, and, I, and I'm hoping that – uh, this next year, I'll be able to come out to one of those events. I'll see, I'll do my best to see if I can't make it out there and uh, maybe do a couple podcast interviews live, you know? Do, do they ever do much? Is there many VWs out there circle track racing? There's nothing out here that I know of. I mean, I the, the West Coast. A Beetle for, for many years, both dirt and asphalt. And, and then I got into circle track racing a rabbit and I, I bought uh, engines from Bill Scott Racing, the Schrick Motors, right out of Germany. Yeah. And let me tell you what, you talk about a rocket ship. Uh, there wasn't a, a late model stock car, or it, when I would go to a racetrack, there wasn't much there that would beat me. You know, um, and and that that was so much fun, both in the Beetle and in the in the water cooled car to uh, be able to do something like that. That's one of those things that uh, if there's, if there's something in event that the success of those things are typically predicated on the affordability of it for the most part, you know, because uh-huh. th- that's what they started with the formula V. It was cheap to race formula exactly. V got people engaged and involved. And then they just, they just changed it out here at, in uh, Baja racing they just changed it so the class five is like the full blown beetle, and right. um, a lot of guys started getting out of them because they were so big and heavy. They all ran big type fours. Well, now they just allowed back into the class five class, which is unlimited VW style suspension and any any way you want to go Baja. They just updated the class to now have uh, the Ecotec motors. So now, oh really? Yeah. So now the Ecotech motor, you know, I was talking to my my buddy that builds off road motors, and he says that you know the the difference is on a Type Four motor, you've got to rebuild it every few, you know, every couple races versus, you know, the Ecotech motor. You're going to go a whole season without a rebuild, and but now right. it's spurring the Class Five. So I'd love to see something happening with with Volkswagens. It's just try, especially it's got to stay affordable, and stay easy to get into, you know. Nice. And so I, what I want to do is get into some of you, some of your history personally. And, and for you, what was it about the Volkswagen that really got you fired up and going? Um, just the things you, the, the easy things that you could do to it. Um, you know, the, the simplicity of it. Um, that was the biggest thing, you know, you didn't have to, spend a fortune um and you could actually you know build a decent uh, a decent car at that time you know was it the fact that you were able to work on them by yourself and and kind of yeah. get into that because i mean especially back i mean it's kind of an odd thing especially in the time that you were doing it because working on v8s and all that was more kind of a car guy thing and anybody that worked on vws was, was kind of weird because nobody knew and you had to be quote unquote a specialist but a lot of us figure out that they're really simple engines and, and they're really easy to work on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, I, I do, I build a lot of engines here. Um, you know, most of this stuff I build is, you know, uh, well, let's say 1900 CC and up. Um, but I have a, a lot of my customers that buy parts from me uh, to, 
to rebuild their engine. And, and I help them out with, you know, um, when it comes time to split the case or something, I'll split the case for them, you know, with them here mm-hmm. so that they can see, you know, what's involved in it. Um, and, you know, need a tool. I'll loan you the tool. You know, I just like it back. <laughs> and so since, since you build motors, what's your motor of choice? Um, wow. I, I, I love the turbo motor. Yeah. Yeah. That, that to me, um, that, that is all what, that just seems to be the, um, the instant power. Um, I, I especially like that in a buggy, um, or in a rail. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, 2100, you know, uh, somewhere right in there, uh, but the, the turbo just wakes it up. And you, you do you like a draw through or blow through? Um, I have not yet been able to afford a blow through yet, um, but that's on that's on my uh, list now that I'm I'm working on an engine now. Yeah. Um, which I'm going to do a blow through on it. Um, but I have driven some that are blow through um, uh, instead of uh, draw. And they seem to be a lot more perkier. Um, you know, there doesn't seem to be as much lag in them um, as the uh, the draw. Um, but, you know, they ain't nothing wrong with a good draw turbo either. Sure, <laughs> sure, absolutely. And so most of your VWs that you personally own, they're, you, you, what's in your personal collection? Um, well, I've got, uh, I've got two rails. I've got uh, three doom buggies. Um, I've got a, uh, uh, a 72 type one sitting outside, uh, that I just haven't done anything with yet. Um, don't, don't tell anybody, but this is, this is my other baby over here. Um, <laughs> we'll keep it, but, we'll keep it quiet. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's my toy that I, um, I've worked on for many years, so I kind of leave it alone, but yeah, I've got, uh, I got a couple uh, couple rails there's a uh, a draw through turbo motor on the back of that four seater yeah um a couple of buggies that uh one that i'm i'm going to build for a customer here um rail that uh getting ready to sell and uh another buggy that i just bought over there that uh, i'm going to pull down and uh and and put on a, a full chassis um but no, anything you know that that really has to do with the, with them, uh, I enjoy. You know, I enjoy selling the parts. I enjoy building. You know, I'm retired, so uh, um, you know, I've got I've got more of a day to be able to spend and do what uh, I enjoy doing. And so, what's the one that got away from you that you wish you could get back? Oh, hmm. goodness. Um, I, I, I had a, I had a, a rail that I built into a mid engine rail. Uh, I had a 2180 on it. Um, and, uh, had a, a Jeanberg five speed in it. Yeah. And, uh, that would be the one that I, I wish I would have kept. Um, that was, that was one of the ones that, uh, um, but I also built, uh, um, I don't know if you ever remember when Speedway came out with a T bucket. Yeah. Uh, Speedway motors. 
Um, they came out with it for about five years. Um, I built a, a tea bucket with a, a 2200 in it, a turbo motor. <laughs> let me tell you what, that was the most fun car. It also had a bird five speed in it, but that, that, car, you know, it, it was very quiet and you could, you could pull up to the had a set of wheelie bars on it. You can pull up the light, set that thing back on those bars and, and people would just, their mouth would just be hanging to the floor, you know? <laughs> you surprise, surprise a lot of hot rod guys with that thing? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Many, many. And so you're definitely, a, you're definitely a fan of the turbo motors. Now, you said earlier that you built transmissions when you were first getting into, the, like, flipping ring and pinning and stuff. Did you, did you learn to rebuild transmissions as well? Um, I did, but I, I don't do it now. I've got a friend that does it, and... Uh, you know, it's it's easier for him to do it than it is for me to. Sure. Um, I, I don't have much room in here. It's it's not a huge garage. It's it's a sixty by forty. But you know, by the time you put your parts in here and and put a couple three buggies in here and some frames in here and you know a lift or two in here, you know, all your room is gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I, w- I was gonna get into w- which seems which is more difficult, building engines or transmissions, because. You know, I had a friend that built transmissions, and it seemed like he had a couple specialty tools, but most of it was just kind of uh, stacking stacking the gears and set, getting everything set right in the lash. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it's just like you know these guys that, that that build these these transmissions for these Subaru motors in there. You know, it's it's knowing what to do that keeps the transmission from breaking. And yeah. I think you know if you if you know how to build the trans and know what to do so that that guy doesn't come back to you in four or five weeks, you know, with a box of parts, um, you know, that, that's to me, that's the big thing. Yeah. You, know, you can build them. Anybody can build them. Yeah. You know, anybody can build it as long as you, you take your time and, and, and you together correctly. But you know, the, the transmissions to me is, is something that, like I like I say, I never really got into much, um, and enough to it that I said I, I didn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it takes a special knack, I think, to build the to build the trannies. It's just a different it, different deal altogether. Yeah. Well, that's yep. great, man. And so your next event is coming up when? Uh, my next event doesn't come up until uh, May. It's May. It's May twenty eighth through thirtieth. Yep. May 29th, I think it is. May 29th, and that's going to be held where? That's going to be at uh, the Virginia Motorsports Park. Um, well, I take that back. Um, they have NHRA in there the the weekend before, so we are going to be at Mooresville Speedway in Mooresville, North Carolina, for both my May and September show. So Nor- Mooresville, North Carolina will be both your shows? Next yes. year, and that next year, May 29th is what year? What year bug out? That will be eighty five and eighty six in September. Eighty five and, and eighty six. The the you know the one the one really was was a super big help this year was when Empy came and 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 you know the decided to help with some of the shows. Yeah. Uh, that was, that was a real blessing that, uh, that they stepped up to the plate. You know, it's, 
it's not too many um, not too many manufacturers. Well, there's not many manufacturers at the East Coast anymore that that are you know or even there. But uh, they stepped up to to kind of sponsor the show and help out, um, and it and it just made things a lot easier. Yeah, I think uh, have you obviously putting on shows. Um, one of the things is reaching out to sponsors, sponsorships for, I mean, whether it's stuff to give away and grab bags or have a raffle or whatever the case is, how have you, uh, other than, and, and we saw that with Impy recently when, when the new CEO came in and that there was a buyout, it seemed like, um, it seemed like the, the previous CEO who's actually no longer there, um, Phil Kane, when, when he was there, he kind of got it from the car thing, you know, because you look at some of these V8 shows and it's like all their part sponsors are there. They're part, they're sponsoring everything. And we look in the VW industry and we say like, hey, I'm putting on a VW event. Can I get West Coast Metric or Wolfsburg West or, you know, this, this guy or that guy? Can these guys come out? Can they sponsor? Can they do something? Because the crazy part is <laughs> these are their people, you know? That's right. Have you no. found it difficult to get sponsorship? Yes, very much so. I mean, the door gets closed on you most of the time. Um, you know, when 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 I called and sorry, uh, when I called and and uh, and talked with uh, you know with uh, PK at, at Empy, I mean, he was uh, he was all for it. You know, um, he just thought that you know that was very cool. And uh, yeah, I I I think that's part of the issue is is the VW scene some of the guys don't have the vision where they know what to do to help promote the event you know I mean there was shows here in town I, w- I didn't even have a VW company I had my tile business or whatever but I would sponsor I'd give somebody 400 bucks for a car show you know to sponsor the car show they'd put my and I got zero business out of it but it, but my attitude to do it was you know, I think when I had my VegasVolks.com website, uh, I had I, a friend of mine came and he's put on a show, asked for some sponsorship money. I gave him a couple hundred bucks. He goes, what do you want me to put on there? Your tile company? I said, no, nah, just put Vegas Volks. I mean, I don't care. Like, it, But it's more to, to, to my attitude for sponsoring it was to try to support the scene wherever I can. And it, and it surprises me that the manufacturers of VW parts that are out here, people that profit off of us people in the that are enthusiasts, they don't, they find it difficult to recontribute back to the, back to the scene. And I, and I don't know if that's because they just believe like, Hey, who else's stuff are you going to buy? Tough luck. I don't have to sponsor you. Well, you know, I mean, even if you, you call somebody and say, Hey, you know, could I get you to send just a header to, you know, to give away or, or raffle away or whatever. Um, and, you know, you, you get the answer of no, but the thing of it is, is, you know, if, if you're going to announce that, that company's name all day at the show, right. just because you're raffling away one of their headers or you're giving away one of their headers for free, um, you know, so I would think that they've got to get some return from it, you know. I mean, Lucas, you know, Lucas Oil, I went to them and, and they stepped up big time. You know, they didn't give me any money, which, hey, that's fine. But they gave me a lot of product that I was able to give away. So all day long, you know, we pushed Lucas, Lucas, Lucas. So, you know, that was that was a home run for them. You know, 
for, for the little bit that they spent, um, they pro- hopefully they got twice as much or three times as much in advertising. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, hopefully hopefully we'll we'll see something change in the VW scene because as you know, I, I could never figure out um, why they didn't why they wouldn't sponsor. I know that uh, you know I I had a sponsorship idea for them when when we got done. Uh, on the TV show with Bull Run, and, and we were going to actually go run the real rally, and the real rally is twenty thousand dollars to run. And they said, "Well, since you're on the TV show, we'll let you run it for five grand." And so I thought, "Perfect! I'll send out letters to all the big deals with the VW industry and see if they want to kick up a grand a piece, and then I'll go run the real rally. We'll get a lot of cross exposure in in Motor Trend and." other magazines or your car and driver and stuff that'll advertise this the bus being so ironic to be in the show it's got to be a winner and then after it's done i'll replace all the sponsors that were on the tv show with sponsors from the vw industry and i mean it was a resounding no from everybody they were just like you'd have thought a thousand dollars i was asking for a million bucks and uh um it's uh it's it's interesting how sometimes they just don't seem to see the value of supporting or getting their brand out there and I think maybe it's because sometimes they think they're the only ones I mean look I'm one of the first ones to to the market with a VW podcast and I'm constantly promoting this podcast because just like my attitude is not well I'm the only podcast that's out there my attitude is like there's a lot of people that don't hear about it because podcasts are so you know, it's, it's so you either listen to them or you don't. And then once you start listening to them, you really start to go dig deep into it and look for all kinds of cool stuff that you're interested in. But for me, my attitude is like, okay, well, let's get the, let's get the word out there. Let's get this because it's, it's, it's good content for people, something they can enjoy. And, you know, over the past year that I've been doing the podcast, you know, we're up to episode 50, this will be episode, uh, 51, I think it is. And, um, it's, we've, we've got a listenership of a few thousand people and it's, it's continuing to grow every time. But if I were using the typical VW business mentality, I would just say, yeah, I do it. And that's it. And find it or don't find that it's the only one that's there. So I don't know what it would take for them to turn around. And I, and I think maybe that's part of the reason that the scene's dying a little bit, you know, because instead of the people that are making money off this industry, putting money back out there, promoting the hobby it, it always amazed me when i'd look through hemmings motor news and i would see larry's chrome shop out of tennessee advertising in hemmings motor news and clark's corvair parts and you know this guy's impala pieces and these are general magazines but there's no the only vw ad i think i saw one time might have been a jc whitney ad and that was in an old uh-huh. in an old issue but it's like the VW people, they never, the, the VW businesses never seem to go outside of the market. They're essentially preaching to the choir. And uh, that could be one of the other reasons that the VW scene is is getting stifled a little bit, where it seems like it's getting a little bit smaller because, you know, the, the reach out there, it, it starts to become the best kept secret. Well, I mean, like, like with your podcast, I mean, after a couple of the podcasts that I heard, I'd go on my, my website you know, and say, hey, you know, you need to listen to this guy's podcast. It's really cool. 
Um, and you'd be surprised how many people come back to you and go, I never heard <laughs> What's you know? a podcast? Well, I mean, you know, when you say, hey, you know, here's how you get to it. You ought to listen to it. You yeah. know, it, it's really cool. And I said, you know, if he's, he's got a great archive where you can go back and listen to a ton of past shows, um, which was just, you know, um, to some of the people, you know, that was very surprising. Um, you know, when you when you talk about sponsors, I mean, I had Volkswagen of America sponsor my show one year um, where I really wasn't interested in money from them. I was interested in them bringing their big tractor trailer out with a couple of their trick cars that they had. Right. Because V was right around the corner from where I lived. Yeah. And in the basement OA was just a collector's paradise of cars that they had down there, which were just, you know, you, you'd go down in the basement of this place and you'd drool because, you know, half of these cars you've never seen before. Um, and, and I say, hey, look, just load up the tractor trailer with some of your trick cars and bring them to my show and bring me your big, huge um, balloon that you have right. so that I can out front because the people are going to see the balloon then they're going to see the tractor trailer in there and i'll get more people coming in the front gate so you don't have to give me any sponsorship money i just want you to show up you know and and it really made a big difference you know but then voa got tied up with other stuff and you know they uh you know they hardly even recognize the old cars anymore you know yeah, it's, I, I, that's the other thing that surprises me too. You know, you look at VW of America and, and how many of us that are air-cooled VW fans, just because we're brand loyal, we like, we, we like all the water-cooled stuff. We always look to it as like, a, as like a distant cousin of what we do because we're so committed to the brand. And it's like this huge marketplace out there that VW of America doesn't go after. And it's like, now we're all consumers. We're all in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. We all buy stuff. And it's like, we're, we have this built-in loyalty to Volkswagen, and they don't even market to us. Nope. Yeah, it's, nope. The, it's, it's the most mind-boggling thing. I just can't wrap my mind around it. But hey, I mean, they're, you know, it is what it is. And uh, we, just try to, we just try to keep going and, and build the scene where we can. And so... If we get a podcast, we get a new show, you know, the, the goal is get out there and support, get out there, go to the car shows, go to support, bring your club out to the shows, you know, do what you can to, to, to help bolster the scene and drag your kid kicking and screaming to that car show because he'll be a car guy or she'll be a car guy. That's right. Put them in the car. You know, I mean, that used to be my biggest thing when I raced. Bring those little kids out on the racetrack after the race and put them in the car. You know, um, their their eyes would would look like you know uh, like two bullets sitting in there because they you know you just made their day. Yeah. Um, kids, I mean, I you know I'm not an old fart, but I'm getting up in age a little bit. But you'd be surprised how many people I run into even today that go. You know, I sat in your race car 40 years ago, yeah. you know, and you go, did you really? <laughs> yeah. And you remember that? <laughs> well, I, I, it, it's that, it's that piece that's impressionable. It's that, it's that part where, you know, you're, 
you become a VW enthusiast because you're standing on a street corner somewhere and you see a really cool, whether it's a buggy or a street car or a Baja or something, you, it drives by and you think, I got to get me one of those. Damn, that's right. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah. So, well, man, I look, I really have enjoyed our conversation on the podcast. I appreciate you for coming yeah. on. And uh, hopefully this definitely won't be the last time we'll have you on. We'll have you on again. We'll talk. We'll, we'll, you know what we'll do is we'll get you on for a few minutes before your event starts up. See if we yeah. can't get it fired up a little bit, get some people to show up out there, you know. I appreciate you reaching out. I really, uh, this means a lot to me. So, uh, you know, and, and I appreciate what you do. No, hey, it's great, man. And back at you, I appreciate you putting on that East Coast event. And maybe if I'm lucky, I'll be able to come out to that event uh this year coming up man let me figure out how i mean as much as you know the 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 worst thing about being a car guy is sure i can hop a plane and be there in three hours and go to the event but it's like it's so it's such a bummer to go to your to go to a car show without your car <laughs> you don't have anything there yeah i hate going to car shows and walk around and go man i don't even have anything here other than a little four-wheeler so i could ride through the part swap bait you know? right right but no definitely uh I, I, we'll see if we can't arrange something where i can shoot out there check out one of those events this year coming up because i definitely love to i mean i i love the vw scene uh, i was out in uh i was in virginia one time at virginia tech taking some classes specifically to the industry that i'm in and uh i happen to be That's out there right. I got my BA there for automotive technology. Yeah, and so I'm there, and and I'm just like I'm on the, I'm on the samba like VW car meets, just trying to find something close by. And I remember going to a uh, there was some kind of Thursday night meet or something they had going on, and I just rolled up, and it was just a bunch of guys out there with some Bajas and some this and some that, and I just kind of hung out and. Uh, shot the breeze with the guys and then once i started saying oh yeah well i had a card hot vws and we just started talking it was like all of a sudden you know it, with these guys it's just this vw hobby man it's just like there's there's love all over and if you're a vw guy it, it, it's it, it it's a connection if you're a vw guy or gal vw enthusiast i don't want people sending me letters yeah. telling me i'm not bringing up the ladies because trust me we're guys so we're always about the ladies <laughs> There's a, there's a lot of them out there that have a Volkswagen, believe me. Yeah, and it's really funny. Even I have a buddy of mine that here in Vegas, and he's not even a VW guy. He's just a good friend of mine. And so he'll literally call me up. He's like, hey, Bill, I happen to talk to this guy. I'm down here in Alabama, and I'm going through the grocery store, and there's this guy who got this big VW on his shirt. And so I stopped him, and I said, hey, man, do you know this guy that's been on this? You know, I've been on Pawn Stars. I've been on some other stuff and things like that. And, and the guy's like, oh, yeah, I, th- I, know, I know the guy you're talking about. So my buddy will call me up like, hey, Hey Bill, it's me, Brian. Hey, this guy over here is wearing a VW shirt down here in Alabama, and he says <laughs> he says he's seen your bus and he's this and so. But it's it it even brings people together that aren't even in the VW scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. I I think the VW the the symbol the sign it it kind of says like this is a guy. You know, it's still the people's car. It's the car about the people. Yep. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, man. Les, it's sure. been it's been great having you on, man. I appreciate I appreciate everything you're doing out there, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have you back on for sure. And um, anything you want to leave us with before we're out of here? No, no, I uh, you know everybody keep going to the shows and uh, you know keep this thing alive. It uh, it needs everybody's help, but uh, you know it it'll it'll never die. Hopefully, I'll never see it die. Yeah, you 
Well, is it for for sure, it's 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 good stuff, man, and it's what it's what makes me happy, man. VWs are what make me happy. Thanks for everybody's support. You got it, you got it. Well, well, thanks again, man, and I appreciate everything you're doing. All right, thank you, sir. All right, thanks. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast, getting a little bit East Coast history. I'm looking for more people on the East Coast to interview. So if you guys know of some influential people, drop me a line at bill at letstalkdubs.com. I'll hit them up. We'll get them on the podcast. Uh, tell them don't be shy. It's just a conversation. Just a couple of dudes talking about some Volkswagens. Anyway, guys, you know how to support the podcast. Don't forget to share it. Share, share, share. Share it with a friend. Post it on your Facebook. And if you buy some merch and you get some merch, Post your merch up on your Facebook and tag us in that and on your Instagram. Until next week, guys. Later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have.